Welcome to Worst Take, everybody. We got the 49ers edition of the podcast here today. Um, you got your host, Matt, and your co-host, Parsa, sitting on the other side. Um, up, today, we're going to be getting into the 49ers positional rankings. So since this is the first episode of this segment of the podcast, me and Parsa decided, how about we get our ideas out there um, and show what we think of all these positions on the 49ers. So together we made a ranking system. We ranked 10 position groups, not like exact positions, but we mm. have edge, interior defensive line, quarterback, linebacker, the whole offensive line as a group, um, the running backs as a group. However, like we don't have use check in that. We have a tight end slash fullback section. So we kind of went through it like that. Yeah. Um, but we made this together. So starting out at the number one best position on the team, it's got to be the edge edge position. Um, you got D Ford, you got Bosa, and you got Eric Armstead playing there. These guys are very very talented. Um, Armstead obviously plays on the base down, and then D Ford comes in on third down. He's D Ford's probably the best speed rusher in the game. Nick Bosa, defensive rookie of the year player. Next season, he's going to be a candidate for defensive player of the year, potentially. Um, and then Armstead's one of the best edge run defenders in the league, and that's why he plays there in the base down. Um, moving on to some improvements that we could see from them and some possible regressions. If D Ford stays healthy, this defensive line, and more specifically the edge position, is going to absolutely dominate. Definitely. Um, possible yep. regressions could come from Ford continuing to be unhealthy and have him the injury bug and either Bosa or Armstead having the same thing happen to them um, besides injury the only other thing I could really see happening would be like a Bosa a Bosa sophomore slump but that seems pretty unlikely uh, Parson, yeah what's your exactly. thoughts on the, on the edge yeah position? like like you said I mean you have Bosa you've Armstead you Ford I think D Ford's a beast I think D Ford brings an energy to that defense that's similar to Quan Alexander in the sense that he kind of can fire up that whole defense uh you know, it speaks volumes. I think he's a tackling machine. I think he's really aggressive. Like you said, Armstead's one of the best uh, rushers in the league in terms of the running game. And Nick Bosa, I think he's going to be a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, I think he came out his rookie season and gave it his all. I think he's one of... I honestly... I mean, I might be a little bit biased here, but I think he's one of the best edge rushers in the league. I think Bosa is a force on the defensive side of the football. So, yeah, everything you said, I completely agree with. I think that that's definitely going to... That's their strongest position, uh, and they're going to probably outperform uh, expectations. Yeah, I like that you brought up how Bosa is going to be a potential candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I mm -hmm. think that his odds are a little bit high right now. I think he's yeah. second or third, and I don't think oh, he's dang. quite there just because of the, guy, the other guys on the defensive line that help him and yeah. that also get sacks. But exactly. the reason why Bosa is so high is because down the stretch in the playoffs, in the big games at the end, in the end of the season— he was their best player on the defensive. On the defense, hundred um, percent. And so that that makes a lot of sense why he's doing that. Um, moving on, the second best position ranking that I have is the tight end slash fullback position. The Niners have, in my opinion, the best tight end in the league and also the best fullback in the league. The only reason why Edge beat it out for me was just because there's three guys that are really, really good edge players. Um, you got George Kittle, you got Kyle Juszczyk. There's no one better at their respective pieces, places in the offense. Um, they also drafted Charlie Warner, who came out as one of the better blocking tight ends. 
I could see this positional group improving if he steps in as the number two, the main, the best like blocker on the team, and kind of lets Kittle free up, and that can in return make have Kittle be a lot healthier. Um, and the only way I see this regressing is if Kittle or Juszczyk are injured, which of course nobody wants to see. But this is just a very talented spot right here. Yeah, this is a really talented spot. I think they definitely come in at two, uh, Matt. And I think we decided that for a reason. I think Juice. I mean. Let, I mean, we'll ignore the Super Bowl, but, I mean, that man could have been potentially Super Bowl MVP mm-hmm. uh, if the Niners won, which is pretty insane to say about a fullback. Uh, he is a beast. I actually am pretty interested to see if the Niners are going to use him more at the tight end position to spread the field a little bit. I think he's a decent route runner, a good pass catcher, good after the catch. I think he's a big dude, really hard to tackle. Uh, you know, defenses kind of always miss him. He's kind of that sly guy who can get away with, you know, the short routes, the middle of the field routes. Uh, I think, like you said, Charlie Warner would be great if we saw him step up uh, as the blocking tight end. I do think, though, like you said, Kittle's my number one tight end in the league. I think he's a great blocker. I think he's going to get even better at blocking this year. Uh, so I'm not really concerned. Uh, just like the edge group, I think the only concern would be uh, injuries at this point, which seem to be even more unlikely for this group of guys uh, if Kittle stays healthy. Yeah. Um, I really like this position. So you talk about what makes the Niners great it's their edge rushers and their tight end slash fullback hybrid blocker receiving type players yep and exactly that's how Shanahan wants to win and he's built a roster where those are the biggest strengths and I think they're the biggest strengths by a, a wide margin to be honest because they are elite elite position talent right there um yep. moving on number three we have the interior defensive lineman kind of interesting because you know, the interior defensive lineman lost DeForest Buckner. However, they drafted Javon Kinlaw, and he is expected to be the starter next to DJ Jones. DJ Jones is, in my opinion, the most underrated player on the ball club, and Javon Kinlaw looks like he could come out and really ball out. Um, we talked about Eric Armstead being an edge player earlier. Well, on third down, he comes inside and he rushes the passer, and last season, playing edge on base downs and in sub packages coming in to the interior defensive line, Armstead had 10 sacks, and he was an all-pro wow. level talent. Wow. Um, so you have him on the inside. You have DJ Jones. You have Javon Kinlaw. That's a very good start. You also have former third overall pick who has definitely not lived up to expectations, but he's a great rotation piece, and that's Solomon Thomas. Um, you also have Contavious Street. Julian Taylor, those are good guys that they're solid depth pieces. So they have a lot of depth on the interior defensive line, and they have three very good players in DJ Jones, Javon Kinlaw, and Eric Armstead. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Matt. I think that when you look at the interior defensive linemen on this team, it's not like as much upfront developed talent in the terms of like, if we talk to someone else, they probably wouldn't agree with us in terms of DJ Jones being as good as we said. Mm -hmm. But I think he's going to play really well. And I think we're also... Uh, under the assumption that Kinlaw is also going to have a great first season and Armstead is still going to continue his reckoning on third down. Uh, and like you said, it's at this position, even though the upfront talent may not be as strong, like when you look at the edge, you have Nick Bosa, you know, you have D Ford, you have these guys that you already know are going to give you this certain production. The depth for the interior defensive lineman is really nice. Uh, Solomon Thomas, Julian Taylor, Contavious Street, these guys can play. They, they definitely can. Uh, they might not be the number one guys. They might not be starters and playing too many downs. But 
I, I love seeing them out there, and they're really good forces on the defense. I think that we, we have such a great system that these guys really fit well, and the depth is something that we can take advantage of. Yeah, and some positions, depth isn't as important. I mean, yep. look at quarterback, for instance. If your starter goes down, you're probably screwed no matter what. But interior defensive linemen, you got to stay fresh. And if you have guys that can come in and play good, like the backups, and they can play well, that is that helps the starters because they can come out, take a breather. Their defense isn't exactly. hurting from their absence. And that's exactly. that's one of the reasons that the Niners' defensive line was so good last year. I yep. mean, we have edge and interior defensive line both in the top three, which is exceptional. Um, how this def- interior defensive line could improve, in my opinion, Kinlaw and DJ Jones have to play exceptional. Like, mm-hmm. DJ Jones has to be better than he was pre-injury last year, and he was good. People don't know that, but he was real good. And it's going to be tough for Kinlaw because he has to play really, really good. He is filling a void of left by DeForest Buckner's trade. And I could definitely see the interior defensive line regressing. Even with that said, there's so much depth. There's so many guys that can come in and fill that void. It'll be interesting because Buckner was an all-pro last year. So you don't just have an all-pro and go, oh, yeah, let's just replace an all-pro. That doesn't really happen very often. But I think that the depth can somehow replace that where, you know, if you have a couple guys step up a lot, you have DJ Jones take that next step, you have Javon Kinloss show that he is a good first-round pick. Maybe it does. Maybe it does. But a little bit of questions here, more than the yeah, first two. Definitely, I, I like the point you made though, Matt, about the fact that with interior defensive linemen, some defensive positions, you kind of need the depth. With when with quarterback, it's kind of either or. I mean, if your guy goes down, you got to play the second guy. You know, you can't, and you're usually not going to play the second guy if your first guy's up, right? But on the defensive end, you need guys who can come in and give these guys breathers. It's huge. I mean, a huge reason DeForest Buckner was so good last year on the Niners was because this team had enough depth to give him rest and to allow him, you know, to take his time on the bench a couple plays and to, you know, when he was on the field to be the reckoning force he was. So we will definitely feel his void to some level, but the question is how well can we patch that, you know, wound uh, in terms of our depth and the talent we have coming in that's young with the potential. Yeah, you're talking about how uh, Buckner would get to rest. Um, A couple Mm -hmm. of the defensive players have came out and said, oh, yeah, Buckner was our leader. Um, I believe this was DJ Jones himself and Nick Bosa. We're talking about, oh, Buckner was our leader on the defensive line. He called the plays on the third down. That's huge. Also, he was the guy that, say, a running back caught a screen pass. He would yeah. catch up to him and make it come from behind tackle. He was that wow. guy. He was that effort yeah. player where it helped him so much that he had got backups that could come in and do, and play well. Um, so it'll be it'll be real interesting to see how, how they play it out. I definitely could see this taking a step back, but I, I hope it doesn't. Of course, I don't hope it doesn't, but moving on to quarterback. Yeah. I have quarterback at number four. Now, this might surprise a lot of people. I am very high on Jimmy G. Um, casual, just non-49er fans, I don't. I think they think he's an average system quarterback, which I completely disagree with. You look at how Jimmy G played in the second half, he was top 10 quarterback, maybe top eight quarterback. He was dominating he destroyed the Saints. Obviously, there's gonna he gets help from Shanahan, but any quarterback needs help from his coach. So I think that's kind of a lame excuse to say, oh, like look what look what Jimmy's doing, not that good. Yep. Then the playoffs came. He had eight passes against the Packers and didn't really do much against the Vikings. However, they were dominating both those teams. Then you move to the Super Bowl. Everyone has a sour ta- mouth, uh, taste in their mouth. 
just because he missed Sanders. A lot of people think that Sanders wasn't really fully running on that, kind of coasted, kind of lost the ball, you know, whatever. His season should not be judged on his on one throw he made. He, I think he had three or four incompletions total in the Super Bowl. Yeah, he was and, eight for 22, bro. Yeah, multiple of those in the incompletions were at the end of the game. He had like yep. one or two going into that last little drive. So Jimmy's great. Um, he can definitely improve if he cuts down the interceptions because most of them were in the first half of the season. Coming back, he, he hasn't had that much game experience also. And obviously he's an older guy. He's like 28 or 29. But he has not had the game experience that even younger quarterbacks have had so him cutting down those interceptions and just to keep improving like he was towards the end of last season he could be a really good player where everyone's perspective on him changes by the end of the year I think that's something that could definitely happen of course it could regress if his interception issues return I don't see that happening just because he had it looked like he had somewhat cleaned it up yeah but you know you'd see a bad like a pretty bad mistake here and there at the end of the year so if he can fix that up at least a little bit if he throws under 10 interceptions they're passing their whole offense is going to be and, just rolling. and we both think that he will yeah we both definitely. yeah do. i mean i definitely think that he will throw less than 10 matt to your point i mean let's be honest we put him at four here right but that's because we're trying to be reasonable one to eliminate our bias two to kind of say okay there's potential that at his worst i think that jimmy g is going to be four so that's where we put him but I think that by the end of the season, he might be one of the Niners' best positions uh, uh, in terms of the QB. Because I feel like you have guys like Jameis Winston, right, who can throw touchdowns. They can produce. But then their weaknesses hinder them just as much as, you know, their their successes. Because you see a guy with almost a one-to-one ratio with touchdowns, interceptions. Shout out to McConnell. I know he appreciates uh, Jameis. But... In terms of, and I do too, I think he's good. But I think Jimmy G is is kind of a better version of this. Because and, he and you kind talk of, about um, like his interceptions being the problem, but he's not exactly. a one-to-one ratio guy. Exactly, right? That's he's the not, thing. When you're, he's not putting yeah. up those terrible numbers. He yeah. And he had a rough start too. That's what exactly. I, I think people... We're, we're, just, talking about, we're talking about a guy who came off a, a, could, what could have been a career-ending injury, played his first full season... Okay, sure, he was spoiled with a great coach and a great system. Cool. There's no such thing as a system quarterback. Me and Matt can agree on that. We're going to stand by that. He played really, really good football, and he showed that unlike a lot of quarterbacks who come and go, who people think are number one picks, have potential, play a season or two, they get another shot, he can eliminate his mistakes as they happen. I mean, he is progressing, and his mistakes have only elevated his game. I mean, he is, you know, he walks and talks. The, the motto... Of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. So, you know, I really think that, you know, if he eliminates, which I think he will, Matt. I think he's he can be a top five quarterback in the NFL next year if he plays, because he's going to be used to he's used to the system, he's used to the coach. Uh, he's kind of going to get some similar production from the defense. You know, nothing's going to be drastically different for this guy. The only thing that's going to be different is the fact that he's going back to the same system. For, for, you know, the, another year. And he's not injured. And there's no, like, for once he's healthy. And he can actually have a little bit of consistency in his path. Yeah. So I think it's going to open a lot of doors for him. I think Jimmy G is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, before uh, we um, move yeah. on from Jimmy, I do want to just bring up the two things that he really shows that mm-hmm. separate him from the rest Yep. are his third down conversion rate 
Yes, sir. He is fantastic. Ridiculous, ridiculous on third down. Unbelievable. Obviously, a lot of that's Kyle. But you look back in 2017, he was putting up great third down numbers. And he had just got traded to the 49ers. Um, Also, 2017, not as much last year. 2017, he was a playmaker. I think people just like to think of him as like a statue quarterback. He's not. He's not a statue quarterback. He can extend plays with his legs. He can. He's great in the pocket. And I think you're going to see that a lot more this coming up season because in 2019, he's coming off a knee injury. You know, there would be a couple times where he looked like he just kind of wanted to be careful with his knee. So I think that you're going to see him a lot more comfortable with that. Yep. And that's why I have him so high. I really exactly. do believe in him a lot. So, so one more thing before we move on to add on to that, Matt. The man had a 52.3% third down conversion rate, right? That's 56 out of 107 attempts. That means Wait, you got 56 50, or 52? No, 56 first downs on 107 attempts. That's great. It's insane, right? And the thing is, to your point, if you're converting that many times on third down, there's no way you're just a quarterback who's sitting in the pocket. I mean, there there are plays where he had to be pressured, move outside of the pocket, adjust his game. He can make plays happen. You know, he isn't just that guy who sits in the pocket. He might be better. He might be a better pocket quarterback than on the run. That might, that's a different type of argument. But extending but, the play from within the pocket. But extending pocket, he does the well. play from even within the pocket or extending the play in general is something yeah. that runs through his blood. I mean, he's able to do that. Because a guy who converts third down better than any other QB in the league, you're going to tell me that he can't adapt and change his game in the moment? I mean, I'm sorry. I don't know what other statistic you need besides someone who can convert third downs so consistently. Yeah, and that's, you know? I mean, that's how you win games right there. You consistently convert third downs. And this is his yep. passing percentages. So obviously third and ones where they run the ball yeah. aren't going to be accounted in this number. Yeah. But... That's a very impressive number because a lot of these are third and eight. You know, you exactly. look back on the Rams game at the end of the year, which was an important game to win. And let's see, he converted, I believe, a third and 15 and like a fourth and 15, something, yep. something like yep. that. Some third and fourth down in that game. Two very long conversions. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing him show a lot of the doubters that they're wrong about him. Um, moving on from Jimmy G, because we'll, we'll definitely get into him a lot more in this podcast. Yep. Um, we have the linebacker position at number five. Um, very strong. You got Fred Warner. He looks like he's a budding superstar. You got Dre Greenlaw. He had a fantastic rookie year. If you just kind of think about the moments that Dre Greenlaw made, I mean, I love the dude now. Look at look at what he get, did against the Seahawks. He had, of course, the famous tackle at the inch yard line. He also had an overtime interception that should have won the game. But Robbie Gold mm-hmm. was hurt, so backup kicker comes in, misses the field goal. But he got a, yeah. a fantastic interception coming in um, on Russell Wilson in overtime and returned it about 40, 50 yards, returning to the yep. other side of the field. Those are two moments that a lot of Niners that play for 10 years don't have against the Seahawks. So he's going to be a big-time fan favorite. He's going to be competing with Quan Alexander for that weak outside linebacker role. Um, the loser of that will play Sam linebacker. That's what Greenlaw played last year until Quan got hurt. But we're going to see how those two battle it out. I like both of them. I think they fly around. They make plays. They're not the caliber of player that Fred Warner is. Fred Warner immediately, first game as a rookie, called the defense. He is a very smart player, a very impressive player. Um, and if this linebacker core improves, you want to see Greenlaw and Warner both improving. They're both young players. They both haven't reached their potential yet, in my opinion. And you also want to see Quan play like he did 
pre-injury because post-injury wasn't as good. But pre-injury, he was flying around, making plays. He was the yeah. heartbeat of the defense. Pre-injury, Quan was something else, man. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and, I mean, the whole fan base loves Quan. I mean, he had an epic return. He always talks about being legendary. Yeah. He's been said to be the emotional leader of that team. So, super stoked to see if they can improve. I definitely think this position group can. Um, if the position group is to regress, it's going to be because... Be because Greenlaw and Quan just come across, and you know they're just average, replaceable players. Hope that doesn't happen. And maybe if Warner's not the star that he's thought to be, and is just kind of a above-average player, which he is right now, but I definitely think he has the ability to take it that next step. So, what's your thoughts on the linebackers, yeah. Parsa? Yeah, Matt, uh, agree with a lot of what you said. So, in terms of the linebackers uh, on the outside, I think, like you said, Quan Alexander and Greenlaw, they're they're going to be competing, but I think whoever wins out that spot is not necessarily going to be playing more. I think that they might be throwing these guys out, uh, you know, every other play type style, yeah. not really in terms of like literally, but in terms of splitting time. Because I think, that, like you said, the potential for Greenlaw is there. He's younger than Quan, but Quan, at his maximum potential, can be a tackling machine. I mean, before injury, when I would watch him play, he had a similar effect in terms of what Fred Warner was able to do at the end of the season. I mean, he was really, really affecting the defense. Uh, you know, even in pass coverage uh, and tackling, he, he brings that energy. He's kind of like that Draymond Green flame on the defense. Yeah. Uh, I kind of see him as that kind of type of energy because even if Draymond Green has a bad game, even if Quan Alexander has a bad game, he can still turn on that switch and have insane games where he's just a tackling machine or, you know, and he can kind of light up the defense and motivate and fuel everyone else. And like you said, Fred Warner star in the making. Uh, I think he can be a top 10 linebacker uh, in the league. I think he is right now. I think he Yeah, you think he is five, right now? Wow. Three, yeah. I think I think I think he can be top 10 for me or top 5 by the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely say that I respect the fact that you think that because I'd it is I'd say back valid. end of top 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um but so, the one thing that's on interesting that. about Quan Alexander is cuz they all, the defensive players always talk about, oh, he's our leader. You know, he's mm-hmm. this, he's that. Mm-hmm. Um, Buckner's gone. He was one of the leaders on, of this defense. I think Quan can come in and really have a big impact on their season if he just proves to be that leader again. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked for him coming back from being hurt because he was awesome to watch. Um, I think we can move on to O-line now. Yes, sir. The O-line, in my opinion probably improved the most out of any position they added they uh didn't add Brunskill but they decided to move him to compete at right guard with newly signed Tom Compton Tom Compton hasn't been that successful however Brunskill was a very successful player last year when he was playing right tackle um I think that he can be an upgrade at right guard now will he we don't know yet um also of course, Joe Staley retired. Very, very sad. Super hard for a team to replace a franchise left tackle, but the Niners did it the same day that Joe Staley announced his retirement, <laughs> trading for Trent, Trent Williams for a fifth-round pick and next year's third, which I think any single team in the entire NFL would do for a left tackle in their prime. He, is a, he might be the best left tackle. Now, he could be a little rusty. I don't know how that's going to go. Hopefully not. Hopefully he just steps in and dominates. He has experience in the Kyle Shanahan system. I think that that might be the biggest pickup of the whole year. 
if he comes out and shows that he is a top tackle and McGlinchey which he is which he he has he has been he has been arguably the best if nothing changes he's arguably top three offensive linemen if McGlinchey who's shown that he is one of the best run blockers in the league if he improves his pass blocking which I mean or just gets becomes even a more dominant run blocker but you're right his pass blocking was kind of a weak spot yeah kind of iffy um, if those yeah. two prove, okay, we are like both top three out of the uh, tackles and our run blocking ability, this offense is going to just destroy teams. They're going to be unstoppable. And Trent Williams is a better pass blocker than Staley. So I think that this pickup of Trent Williams might be the reason that you see them make a Super Bowl run again. Um, you got to change some stuff up. You can't just come into the year being the same team. The Niners did very few things to get better. Obviously, they had a great roster to begin with, but improving their tackle position when you could have lost Staley and it could have been an absolute nightmare. If they didn't, if they didn't replace Joe Staley, I would not have a ton of faith in this team. Even though they started backup tackles last year and they were successful, it's hard to do that for a whole year to bank on some unproven guys at a position so important as tackle. Um, the other person that is coming back from being hurt. Um, Trent Williams was hurt on the Redskins, so maybe some rust there. Weston Richburg, center, he has underperformed, I'd say, so far in his 49ers tenure. But if he can be the guy that they signed him to be, it'll be really interesting. Um, Just to go through their offensive line real quick, you have Trent Williams, potential best tackle in the league. Then you have left guard Lincoln Tomlinson. He has Mm -hmm. been just a solid starter. You can't really ask. just does what you ask him. Um, Weston Richburg at center. He's been iffy. Um, Then Daniel Brunskill at right guard. Brunskill played a lot of tackle last year. It'll be really interesting to see how he plays out. He was fantastic last season. However, only in a limited amount of uh, snaps and games. So hopefully he keeps improving. And then right tackle, Mike Wiginchi. Let's see how he does. He's been great so far. Happy that they picked him at nine a couple years back. Yeah, um, what's really your like... thoughts on the offensive line going into 2020, Parsa? Yeah, so Mike McGlinchey, really like him, like you said, Matt. Uh, I'm going to keep it short here uh, because you covered a lot, but Trent Williams is the guy. He won't be rusty. Don't worry about that. This offensive line will be better than it was last year, even though we lost a pillar of the Niners, uh, Joe Staley. Niners fans will always have that love for him, but objectively, Trent Williams is a better offensive guard. Uh, offensive lineman uh i think he's a better pass blocker he's just as good in the run and he's more athletic he's bigger he's stronger he's faster uh i really really like trent williams he's that guy that will run uh on those sweeps out in the in the field and just take out bodies mm-hmm. uh so he's a really great guy i love the pickup like you said i really don't see them going to the super bowl again without this kind of replacement for joe staley uh he kind of Joe Staley kind of was the safeguard of that offensive line, kind of like you know, the veteran who could play well, who you'd know what you'd get out of. And I think Trent Williams brings that back on even a better level, yeah. which is really, really nice. I mean, we're kind of spoiled. I guess our front front office is kind of, you know. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say props to the yeah. front office for pulling that off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Shanahan and Lynch really working hard on that. Um, next position is number se- coming in at number seven is the cornerback position. Obviously, you have... Richard Sherman. He was the number one graded PFF player. Um, he's fantastic. On the other side of him, you have Emmanuel Mosley or E-Man and Akella, Akella Witherspoon. 
switching off throughout the year. Um, Akella was great at the beginning part of the season. Then he got hurt. E-Man came in. He was great too. Um, then Akello comes back from injury, takes over E-Man's spot, and he struggled a lot. But a lot of people have written off Witherspoon. I have not. He is incredibly talented. If you hear Richard Sherman talk about him, he talks about how good of a talent he is, how much potential he actually has. So if he ever fills out his maximum potential, he can be a really good corner in today's NFL. Um, E-Man, E-Man was great down the stretch. I think these two, these tandem having that is some pretty good depth, just pretty solid. Um, now it's a little bit scary. There's not a clear number two coming into the year, but still, I think one of them can step up and do that. That's the big if here. That's why they're number seven, not a proven starter next to future Hall of Famer Richard Sherman. And then their slot corner, Quan Williams, last season was, I don't know why, but he was a monster at forcing fumbles. He had so many forced fumbles. Just was great. He was a scrappy slot corner. Um, obviously, some of the guys are going to get the best out of him. That's what happens when you play corner in the NFL. But the one thing that I'd be a little bit afraid of is some regression from him just because he was mm-hmm. he was a baller last year. So yep. we'll see about that. What, what's your thoughts on yeah. the corners, Parsa? So, so yeah, definitely Richard Sherman. We all know what he's capable of. We're not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Top cornerback in the league. I feel comfortable matching him up with any receiver in this game. Uh, I think that Richard Sherman kind of, you know, is that number one cornerback, hands down. Me and Matt know that. We're confident in him. Uh, but the problem is the group as a whole because uh, Mosley, you know, has shown that he can play in big moments with his interception in the Super Bowl. Uh, Kella Witherspoon, really, well, really talented. No, not Nat Mo- I'm talking, that's a Tarverius Moore that got the pick. Oh, sorry, sorry. My bad, my bad. Yeah, Moore had the interception in the Super Bowl. But Mosley has shown that he, he's had picks, I think, a couple. But, yeah, yeah. He had, uh, uh, he's had some big ones. Yeah, and he's had some big ones. He's shown that he can kind of fill that number two role, like you said, Matt, but there's no clear number two. But I feel like we could say the same thing about last year. But there was really no clear number two, number three, or number four. It was kind of just Richard Sherman and some other dudes who played really well with the system and were really talented dudes. Witherspoon's a fast dude. Uh, I think he has he's quick. And I think, like Matt said, people are going to count him out, but I'm not going to count him out because he's shown that he can play at that level. And injuries sometimes set you back mentally and physically, but sometimes it's just the mentality of playing a couple games and getting back into it. And I think that's what it was with a guy like Quan Alexander. He came back from an injury in the playoffs, very intense, aggressive, rough game to come back into, uh, and then had a pretty subpar performance in the Super Bowl. So in terms of like the cornerback uh, situation, I think it's going to be similar. I think they're just going to need a little bit more time. Uh, what you said about Quan Williams... Uh, he is really, really scrappy. Yeah, he uh, actually, and I think he had four force fumbles. If anyone, that's was crazy. I didn't even think it was four. I thought from it was a two slot or corner, from a little scrappy slot corner. Yeah, Great so he's right there. he's definitely out, out for the ball. People better, you know, watch their ball carrying. Uh, but I think I think there's potential, but we can't have them any higher than this because the only kind of consistent talent in this cornerback group is Richard Sherman, mm-hmm. and a lot of cornerbacks who kind of played well for one season under a good system last year for the Niners on an already good defense that was putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback on the run. So these cornerbacks, luckily, I don't, I think we could both agree. Don't have to be as good as the front seven Yeah, uh, for not. us to be at that Super Bowl level front, for us to front win seven games. Is the strength, no doubt. So exactly. I'm um, moving on from cornerback at number eight. We have the running back group and this is really interesting. You know, the Niners were a great run de- running team last year. However, 
Most of that goes to the Shanahan system. They have a committee of guys. They got, obviously they got rid of Matt Breida, but next year you have Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman expected to be the starters. You also have Jarek McKinnon, who hasn't played in two seasons, but we know he's a talented player. We have Jeff Wilson. He was he stepped in. It was great last year. Walk-off touchdown against the Cardinals, everyone knows. Also, two undrafted free agents that got signed at running back, Salvin Ahmed and Jamichael Hasty. Both of them have a chance to make this roster be those Breida-type players. So a lot of depth, no true top-end talent in my opinion. That's why it's so low, but it's still a great group. It's... That's the thing about this roster is the number 8th ranked position out of the 10 positions I've made up, I guess, but or sectioned off. Uh, the running back's at number 8, and they're still yep. super deep. Exactly. I think you make a good point, Matt, because right, talent-wise, definitely on the lower end of the Niners. Uh, but in terms of how they play with the system, I think the running backs were one of the best strengths last year. And they kind of showed how we can plug a guy and chug him uh, and if they play the system correctly and they use their wit and they use their athleticism and their God-given talent, they can really produce. I think, you know, people are going to say, oh, Matt Breida, Matt Breida, Matt Breida. Well, cool, bro. I mean, to be honest with you, Matt Breida didn't even finish the season with the team. He wasn't really playing. Yeah. He's a quick guy. Uh, and we love Breida. We love the attitude he brings to the game. I think out of all the running backs, he was probably my favorite personality. Uh but I would say that Brito was unnecessary in terms of what he brought to the team wasn't anything that we couldn't it's, get out of these it's guys. It's replaceable. Yeah, so Tevin Coleman, you know, brings to the table kind of a grittiness that Brita can't. Brita's a very quick guy, but not too good at breaking tackles, not very strong in his running. Raheem Mostert also runs with more power than Brita, uh, is also quick, is also a little bit shifty, and I think... Mostert's kind of I that mean, same mold, but Yeah. he doesn't have the fumbling problems... And he produces yeah, Brita, better yards per carry. So That's a great point, exactly. Because Brita, Brita really did have a tough time at points carrying the ball and yeah. holding on to it, uh, which was kind of scary because a guy as talented as Matt Brita, uh, I mean, at one point I was all in on Matt Brita. I was like, okay, well, this guy's going to give us five five yards a rush for the next three years. Uh, he's so fast and quick yeah. with a good offense. Uh, but it's not the case. He, you know, he kind of never reached that point where I'd be like, okay, let's keep him. Really no point for him. Uh, unnecessary and I think McKinnon will also play well too hopefully but I think this is this running back group is a group that will thrive not only because of their talent but because of the system the system that they play in will be a bigger boost to them than their individual talent I feel like yep together together these three guys are definitely more powerful than running one of these guys 20 times a game 100 percent we can all agree on that we saw it last year uh Honestly, if you've, if you've watched Kyle Shanahan as an offensive coordinator and coach, mm-hmm. you've seen this is what he does, and yep. it works perfectly. Yep. Um, moving on from running back, another skill group position, wide receiver coming in at number nine. Now, before you're like, oh, wow, like wide receiver's so low, second to last. Keep in mind, I love these receivers. The problem is that there's a lot of what-ifs, question marks, all type of concerns around the group. The only, I guess, locks for the roster next year are Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, and, of course, rookie Brandon Ayuk. Uh, I think Debo's the only guy that's really proven to be a really good starter. Kendrick Bourne is a great complimentary piece. Um, but then you look at this group, and this is why I think I think this group could jump way up in these rankings by the end yep. of the season. You have Dante Pettis, former second-round pick, pick. A lot of questions there. 
He was in Shanahan's doghouse, as everyone, every 49er fan knows, last season. And he struggled. So, but his rookie year, he showed a ton of promise. And he is a really shifty guy. He can get into space. He has a lot of potential. I don't know if it's ever going to work out for him, but a potential bounce-back season could happen for him. Also, two players that were hurt last year, Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd. Kyle Shanahan absolutely loves Trent Taylor. He said that he was on his way to having a Pro Bowl caliber season if he would have stayed healthy. That's how much he likes him. Another guy that really likes Trent Taylor, Jimmy Garoppolo. In 2017, now that is a couple years back, but when both these guys were healthy, he was uh, Jimmy's guy. He was his third down guy. Uh, I think he finished that year with about 400 yards, four touchdowns. I'm not sure the exact yardage, but I know, he had, I know he had four touchdowns, and he was just a third down slot guy. Yeah. The Niners, one of their receiving coaches is Wes Welker. So that's the exact game that he's molding him around. Um, same type of guy. Uh, small, scrappy, white receiver that gets open, makes tough t- catches, gets bodied <laughs> like Wes did throughout his career. But he is he's going to produce, I think. If he can just stay healthy, he can be a very, very, very good producer. Then, Jalen Hurd. He was the next pick after Debo Samuel, third round. He is an insane weapon. Eventually, I'm going to write an article about him because I'm just super, super excited about him coming into the offense. He looked great in preseason. He got hurt. But this dude, he was a six foot four running back at, wow. I believe, Tennessee. Ooh, I don't, don't quote me on that. I forget. Jalen he played, Hurd, he yeah. played with um, Alvin Kamara. Then he transferred to Baylor. Um. But he is a he's a baller. He's six foot four. He's played running back, wide receiver. He's gonna be that Debo Samuel mold, but he has way more physical talent. Um, then moving on to Brandon Ayuk, rookie. Another guy, kind of that Debo Samuel mold. All these all these guys are just yak monsters. So if they can if they can fill out to their potential, the league needs to look out because this passing game will shred teams secondaries. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Matt. Uh, it's really interesting because you ended off with such a high note, but we have them at nine. And here's the deal is, again, this talent isn't necessarily proven talent or consistent talent. I mean, Debo Samuel is talented as hell. Kendrick Bourne is a quick red zone target, had six touchdowns last season. Matt told me that before the, the uh, recording, and I was like, really? He had six touchdowns, Kendrick Bourne? And I was like, maybe that's why I can't get that image out of my head of him dancing in the end zone because he had six touchdowns and yeah. his, you know, of his production. That was a very significant amount of his production. Uh, so, you know, the question for me though with this group is, who's going to be the guy, or how is this going to mold out to be by the end of the season? Because me and Matt were talking earlier, and I'm like, you know, I can really see Brandon Ayuk, like I've said before on our other podcasts, that I can see him being the number one guy on the Niners by the end of the season. But the thing is, if training camp doesn't happen normally. If games are being held in a single place, if uh, you know the, our global circumstances have to influence the way in which the game is played and Ayuk doesn't get the time he needs before the season starts, there's a chance that Debo Samuel goes off this year and no one can catch him. And yeah. I can see Debo being a top... I'm going to say it. I mean, I can see Debo being a top 10 receiver in the league by the end of the year if he plays to his max potential. And, and uh, if you got to count that if no one else steps up because he's yeah. going to get the volume if that's the case. Exactly. And and Debo's kind of like Jimmy G in the sense that sometimes he drops a pass. And it was a little bit worse than Jimmy G because he wasn't improving as much sometimes. But the thing with Debo is when he gets that ball in his hand, I swear every time he catches the ball, he he's telling himself, 
I'm going to get more yards after this catch than I got the last time. He's, he's just that kind of mentality. And he brings that kind of edge to the game. Brandon Ayuk, long arms, taller guy. Uh, will get bigger when he gets into the league too. I think he's going to bring that same after the catch uh, mentality. So I think this wide receiver core could be really, really good by the end of the season. There's just a lot of questions and unanswered yeah. you know, consistencies going into it. Like you said, Shanahan's still looking at the guys too. Jalen Hurd, Dante Pettis, they're still on his radar. I mean, Dante Pettis, to many people, has counted himself out, no longer deserving of an NFL spot. Uh, but here's the deal. Shanahan likes the guys he likes, and he's Shanahan. You can't tell him he's wrong because he's ne- never really been wrong. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's... and if he's lo- wrong, he makes it up with a, another win in the roster. Finds exactly, it, and if Joe Staley leaves, he gets Trent Williams the day yeah. off. So we're chilling, yeah. <laughs> um, before moving on, just because they are ranked nine. The, the reason they're ranked nine is because Pettis... He was a bad. He was a bad receiver last year. Can he bounce back? Yep. Of course he can. We see guys do that all the time. We see guys look horrendous one year. They do some things. Oh, you know, I was doing this. I was doing this. It wasn't working hard. Wasn't doing that. And they can like they can flip the switch. Maybe he can. Maybe he can't. Huge questions there. And if he can't, we don't want him, right? Yeah. But if he can, yeah. we want him. And yeah. at this point, we got three guys who can produce and three guys that we want. So yeah. Um, then Trent Taylor, Jalen Hurd. There's massive injury question marks. And Brandon mm-hmm. Ayuk's a rookie. That's why you have Debo Samuel and Kendrick Bourne only being the real guys that you actually know what they are. And that's why it's just, it's a little scary at wide receiver. It's deep with potential, but very thin at proven, uh, proven abilities in the league, proven production. So yeah. we'll see about wide receiver, but I definitely think that it's tough to put them at nine because I really like their group. Um, but moving on, yeah. number 10. Last place, and this this just speaks to how good this roster is, is the yeah. safety position. Um, zero interceptions between Jimmy Ward and Kwaski Tart last year. I think they're both good players, but there's just not a ton of production. Jimmy Ward's had a lot of questions tr- throughout his career. I've, I'm a huge fan of Jimmy Ward. He's been one of my favorite players for a long time on this team. Love rooting for the guy. He's an easy guy to root for. Great dude. Does his Jimmy Ward giveaways on Instagram. Fantastic guy. I'm really happy they retained him. Um, but outside of those two starters, who I don't know how they would be if they didn't have such a dominant line, I'd say they're they're average starters. I'd say they're probably average starters. It's The only backup, though, they have is Tarverius Moore. So notable backup, at least. And Marcel Harris came in last year. He was awful at coverage from the strong safety position. He was position. really awful. He, um, he had awful. a big play. He stripped Lamar Jackson, um, but he was not he was not a starter-level player. Kwaski, Tart, Jimmy Ward have to stay healthy, and the scariest part about this position group is that they haven't stayed healthy. Um, that's why it's coming in at the end. A lot of health problems, not a ton of upside at the position. Maybe Tarverius Moore can prove to be that starter-level level player. He had an interception against Carolina last season, and of course he had the Super Bowl interception. But he's still a pretty inconsistent player. Jimmy Ward is the most consistent player, and out of these three, he's usually hurt the most, and also Kwaski gets hurt a lot. So it's just a lot of injury questions, and we'll see how Tarverius Moore develops. I think we know where Jimmy Ward and Kwaski Tartar as players, and I'm mm-hmm. satisfied with their play. Just a lot of questions about staying healthy. And there's exactly. not a lot of time you could do about that. So, Yeah, the injuries, man. I mean, Jimmy Ward is definitely the most talented player on that safety squad right there. Mm-hmm. But he is also the most injury prone. So it's 
it's definitely a question. Uh, but I do have a prediction for this season. I do think that Jimmy Ward, if he stays healthy, will make the Pro Bowl. Uh, so it might be a stretch to some, but I've what I've seen from Jimmy Ward is a talent level that surpasses the Pro Bowl at points. What I haven't seen is a consistency and the relationship with the with the game of football develop. I think that this man has gone off and on the field so many times. His career with the Niners has been so weird in terms of injuries and when he's played, when he's healthy, and who he's played alongside in his career when he started has kind of made his playing time and game very inconsistent uh, along with his injuries. So I think you give him a solid season, kind of like Jimmy G got last season, and he's going to produce. Uh, but what is scary is the depth. What's scary is the injuries. Uh, Tarverius Moore, you said, notable backup, a guy that I can definitely see coming in and replacing one of those two guys, but you, it's not like you want to see that. And outside I mean, of that, him, there's not. Like, I don't. I don't want Marcel Harris coming in. I no. mean, please, like, I don't want Jared Maiden. I don't even know who that is. I don't want Jared Maiden coming in. I mean, undrafted I really, rookie. Yeah, undrafted rookie, kind of like you know the last, the last straw. You, you don't I mean, want. Just, you don't want to have that backup. on a good defense. You don't want to have that on a good defense, and like we already said, the cornerbacks are not where we would want to see them, uh, but you know the front seven kind of helps that so i think like matt i think if they stay healthy we're good yeah right because because if they don't we don't really know what's gonna happen but with the front seven that we have with the you know the what they the reckoning they caused you know to the offensive line of other teams and to the running pass game of other teams in the middle short you know short balls uh will help a lot i just think you know we saw it in the super bowl you know richard sherman got beat uh for one of the only times he's gotten beat and they had a big play happen because, you know, the safeties weren't there either. So it's kind of the the secondary is probably the weakest point of this football team. Uh, and it's, but, I'd say it's probably average with a yeah. Hall of Fame level player that's which is, playing at a Hall of Fame level. Which is nice. We'll take that's it. Saying the end of the day, that's saying something exactly. about the rest of the roster right there. So. Exactly, bro. Yep. Um, I think this is a good time to kind of wrap up. We went through all the positions. Um, listing them out for you one more time. At number one, we have the edge position, then the tight end slash fullback position, interior defensive line, quarterback, linebacker, the offensive line as a whole unit, the cornerbacks, running backs, wide receiver, and finishing it out at safety. So yep. those are our uh, positional rankings right there for the 49ers team. This is our first episode doing this 49ers segment. We'll be doing this once a week, dropping every Sunday night, Monday morning. Uh, and we were look, we're looking really forward to doing this show. So yep. please leave us a rating and review if you listened, if you liked. If you didn't like, let us know. We're the worst take net at, at on Twitter. And Parson, what's the Instagram at? So the Instagram is at the worst take network. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. Like Matt said, DM us, contact us on Twitter. Our, uh, our podcast will be available on Apple and Spotify. Uh, so please feel free to drop a comment, drop a rating. The more, the merrier. We want to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, when we first started the podcast, uh, under just the worst take one that me, McConnell, and Matt do twice a week, we really wanted to kind of get uh, ideas and questions and topics from people who listen to our podcast. And now that we're trying to grow a little bit and we're getting more viewership and stuff like that, we really want to reach out our hands to you guys because you guys are why we do this. And we love doing this because we love sports. But if we don't talk about what y'all want us to talk about, then we're really off cue here. Uh, so please let us know. Uh, and that's it. Thanks for having me on, Matt. This is great. I love doing this. So hopefully see y'all next week.